Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm Chuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Lower Gentry Studios has a new web series out right now. It's called Canyon County. You can check episode one out on their YouTube channel. Episodes two through nine will be released shortly. Today, I sit down with uh, Ben Kirby of Sunblood Stories. Sunblood Stories is going to be performing this year at Tree Fort Music Festival. They'll be performing at the Linen Building on Friday, March 22nd at 10 p.m., so you should definitely check them out. Ben and I have a fun time chatting about a lot of different music-related topics. Enjoy. Welcome, Ben. Nice to see you. Yes, good to meet you. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for coming out to Nampa to be recorded and for sure. uh, to, to join me in chatting about the uh, Sunblood Stories upcoming performance. At, at Tree Fort, is this? Did you did you all play last year? Yeah, I've actually played every Tree Fort. Oh wow! Yeah, um, originally I played the first year, and it was just me as a solo act. Yeah, and then I've played every consecutive year with some sort of with some version of Sunblast Stories. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know all the different iterations of that. Right on. And so you were so, telling you were telling me that uh, you guys have had different members, and we have. Yes. You have three albums on Spotify that I've seen, mm -hmm. and that's the breadth of of your recordings. Or... No, there's more that we don't show people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's um, well, there's two studio albums and then a live album. Okay. That we recorded in Portland. Um, that are the things we show people. Right on. How um, would you explain your music to people that haven't heard you and are curious about coming and, and checking you out at Tree Fort? Hmm. The ultimate question that no one has a good answer for. I know, right? <laughs> it's terrible. It is kind of like a, a, a cliched question in the sense that it's it's you don't want to compare yourself to other musicians because it's like <laughs> the idea of being a musician is being as unique as possible. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. It's uh, echoey... Uh, echoey psychedelic music, I guess. I, that's that's a good uh, synopsis there. I like the psychedelic end. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's it's a weird term that could mean really anything at this point. That's true. Um, but y'all can get away without having uh, lead vocals. I, I I feel like with most of your songs, it's it's like it's it's added if it's there, but you don't necessarily need it with the instrumental stuff that you have going on. Yeah. Because you keep it interesting. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, on this album that's coming out, we actually, I think, probably have more vocals than previous albums. That was sort of a thing we wanted to do. Like, I don't know, have a... Um, when we make new albums, we try to have a, a sort of a format of take about half of what we already know how to do and then half of new things we haven't tried and mm -hmm. have the album basically consist of those things so that we can continue to develop you know things that we do that we like and sounds that we like to make but we also have room and expectations that we have to change and grow and become better at it you know that's really cool that so. you do meld what do you mean by half and half is that by song structure or, or mixing it into the actual songs or uh, no, just, I mean, just being you know, mindful. Yeah. Just being mindful. Like, would you add this in this last album? Um, in the one Vocals, that you said that, yeah, uh, that one, I think we, 
yeah, we had more songs, I feel like, right <laughs> you on. know, and less, um, less space jamming, um, but still some space jamming. <laughs> right on. So you went with the more structure. Yeah, yeah. Right on. So, so do you guys improvise a lot live? Um, it's like, um, yes, within context, we, uh, always try to leave spots within our set um which is fairly composed that are always like i wonder what's gonna happen here yeah (laughs) you know because we found that if we write out too much of it then we get bored okay you know because it's always nice to play music that you know but it's also you know we're not becoming millionaires doing this like we have to keep ourselves entertained as well that's um, important <laughs> so we always try to leave spots within you know a fairly composed set that are always sort of different and always you know i wonder what's gonna happen right on so how did you get into music and and guitar i was given a guitar sometime around I don't know, maybe it was like 12 or 13. And I didn't really get into it. I remember like sitting in my room and not really understanding what it was. And I would get (laughs) actually like banging on things a lot. So I would get like a, you know, a laundry basket and then just slap the guitar strings because it was just an old classical guitar and just like Mm. bang on this. I'm like, hmm, I don't (laughs) really understand. So I just sat in my closet for a couple of years until I was like, 15 maybe and i saw something i think it might have been i think it was a video of aerosmith or something oh right on <laughs> and i was like oh that's what that I looks do cool i want to do that and uh and my mom knew like three chords or something so she showed me the three that she knew and i was you know just essentially strumming the same three chords for like six months nice before someone showed me something else (laughs) (laughs) nice you didn't do lessons or did you ever uh not ever regularly i would just get lucky and someone would show me some stuff oh that's Um, pretty slick but i was generally just a I, i played guitar in jazz band in high school but yeah see that you know a funny story there too is is that you can never find the high school always has a jazz band, but they can never find a guitarist that really knows how to competently read music, it seems like, at that oh, age. Oh, yeah, it's just I like totally don't know how to read <laughs> Impossible. They used, to, they used to give me uh, the sheet music when I'd come in, and I'd be like, I don't know. Like, can you give me the song and then, like, what the key is? And I'll just kind of figure out some chords to sh- strum over the top of it. Yeah. And then I'd have a buddy that'd be like, well, this is like a jazz chord. You know, because it was before you could search a lot of that stuff up on the internet. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, well, let me throw in one of those instead of a normal C. It'll be it'll this be jazzy. one. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a 6-9 chord. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember even where I saw it, but I found some chord chart that, um, you know, because I, I don't, I basically just played, you know, cowboy chords and stuff and mm-hmm. I knew a blues scale. And then... That'll get you basically covered for right. anything. If you know a blue scale, you you can just like throw yourself <laughs> into any situation. Yeah. Rock, country, jazz. But it was it was very fun. Like, I, I must have been some jazz guitar book or something, but I learned the the jazz chord structure where you have the root note and then you damp the A string and then damp the high string. It's just the next, the like the middle three strings mm-hmm. are where you chord and then you have the bass note. Yeah. And I learned that style. 
And I was like, oh, that's very useful. And so I just kind of learned how to do that and still terrible at reading music. I even went to music school and I'm still just like almost incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something that I, I feel like, I personally feel like there's something that gets removed when you're reading notes on a guitar, especially. For some reason, it seems to, to go well with a piano because it's laid out so yeah uh, perfectly but on a guitar it just it just doesn't ever seem right to me yeah the translation to a guitar neck never seemed to make sense because i'm like a c which c there's like four of them yeah which one do i need to be playing here yeah yeah i never really i know i would have to like play it on the piano and then learn how to sing it and then play it on the guitar in order to be able to play it oh right and that would take forever (laughs) so you play piano too then or yes oh right on yeah do you only play guitar with with sunblood stories or do you you guys kind of just run around wherever you're needed um i have played keyboard like um in previous iterations but now i just pretty much play guitar (laughs) these previous iterations are like making me a little (laughs) bit curious almost like well i got fired from keyboard for a while and then they can probably back on as a guitar player (laughs) it's just uh you know i with at the beginning um after it was just me solo when i first had a band it was still basically me writing songs and them backing me up okay and so I would write songs on keyboard. I'd write songs on guitar or whatever. Yeah. And so whatever I wrote it on was what I played it on live. And eventually it just became that I didn't want to drag keyboard around and play because that'd only be like two or three songs. Oh, and so yeah. I was just focused on guitar. And the, like, yeah, a lot less work there. Yeah. Even a guitar amp, it's lighter compared to a lot of the other equipment that one can get involved in with any of the other instruments instantly is more weight. Yep. <laughs> basically but <laughs> unless it's a tambourine <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it uh so you played you had your own solo act mm-hmm. for a while first and you all work together on the compositions now right yeah what is that like as far as the difference in creativity great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i uh i don't ever wish to go back to the days where i'm just writing songs and everyone's just backing me up like that's pretty boring at least for me, um, it it's gradually become more collaborative through every album. Um, oh, burp and beer. Yeah, um, <laughs> this, this is an unofficially sponsored by Payette right. Brewery. This podcast. So if you if you all got some extra beer, you're welcome. <laughs> Send it our way. Um, it's great though. It uh, it's taken a while to really understand the process by which we do that. But with this album that we're going to release this year, it really has like come to fruition. Um, so there's the three of us, there's me, there's Amber who plays slide guitar and sings and John who plays drums and keyboards. Um, so it's, you know, it runs, it runs the gamut from like songs that I would, you know, write myself and write most of it and then just bring it to the band and then we mix it around and work on it till it you know does what we want it to or songs where you know i've just got a riff and amber writes the words to it and her own melody to it or there's even some songs where john wrote the chords on you know keyboard or ukulele i think he wrote on one of them but he wrote the chords to it and then amber wrote the song to it and then i just play his chords you know there's like 
a mixing around of inputs that's I've never really had in a band before. Okay. And it's taken a while for us to get there and like trust each other and learn, but uh, it's really great. And I'm still sort of the, you, I guess you'd call me the musical director, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't write all of it, but I'm the one who records rehearsals and then listens to rehearsals and then figures that does the legwork as far as which pieces are going to be worth keeping and which pieces you can just toss out. And what do we've got to work on and, Mm -hmm. But then it's it's nice because I am the person who gets really in depth with it, and um, you know, if you're missing the forest for the trees, I'm definitely looking at the trees. Yeah, and uh, the and Amber and John are both excellent listeners, and and they both have a good understanding of how music is supposed to flow. Okay. So I depend on them a lot to like once I've gotten really really into it to give me some perspective on like did this thing that I really want to do work or did I just want to do it because I spent way too much time thinking about it? Yeah. So they're my, uh, check on like if the ideas that I'm coming up with are good or not. (laughs) And so are they the ones that, so you're kind of coming up with these riffs and then they're helping you out with the overall structure of the, the song. Is that what you were? I don't know. That's kind of what I was gathering out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And And like, and it's, yeah, to that to that degree. I I tend to get into the details of like, oh, this harmony doesn't work. What if we did this harmony and like obsess over that for too long a time? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, it's not important. Like the build is working really well here. And like, this is what's actually important. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Just scrap that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to this. Uh, I was I was listening to this uh, Hidden Brain. I don't know if you've ever listened to that one at all. Um, but That's just this one. last this last week, they were talking about uh, this this uh, psychiatrist that studies uh, uh, brain balancing and or uh, like our split brains, left mm-hmm. brain versus right brain. It was super interesting, and uh, like that. There's that cliche about like artists are you know right brain heavy, whereas like engineers are left brain heavy. But uh, and then they disproved a lot of that. But he's going back into the science, and he found out that a lot of a lot of the uh, he says technical things that we do come from our left brain, like being able to execute like a certain riff with your with your fingers is there, mm-hmm. whereas being able to hear the song as a whole and what part fits in mm-hmm. overall is right. Yeah, and, and that makes it's, sense. It's super easy to get, and he was explaining how it's super easy to get caught into that that uh, structure part mm-hmm. and and lose the forest through the trees. And it's a very common thing that a lot of people run into is because you're so used to, to trying to work on that and that's where the effort is placed and, and then not being able to step back yeah. and then look at it all. It was it was pretty slick. That's very much uh, something that I've had to learn over the, the years. <laughs> Give it up and then come back to it. Yeah, learning how to learning how to listen to music. Uh, like I do this a lot when we're recording and had to learn how to do it because I was shooting myself in the foot, but learning how to listen to what we've recorded or what we're working on as close to someone who doesn't know shit about the music that I'm working on as possible. Okay. Like that's really important because my (laughs) self-criticism gets really intense, you know, and I get uh, stuck in the patterns of like, this isn't good enough. It's not good enough. Fuck it. Just scrap the whole fucking album. Yeah. And, um, but you know, taking time away from it, forgetting things and then, uh, going back and trying to listen to it like I don't know all of the 
little mistakes that happened and all of that and just trying to gauge the overall impact of it is a big thing that I've learned over the years. Yeah, that uh, so my brother, he writes. He does a lot of writing like we write together, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like the the screenplays and stuff that we do. Um but basically we plan it together and then he's the one that's sitting down and actually filling the pages with words to make sure that right. it's interesting, you know, and that's his skill set. But he 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 kind of taught me a lesson as far as being able to let go of stuff because he says your first draft is always just terrible anyway <laughs> you know and you have to you have to throw 95 percent of it away and it's and then he's like it's not that that's bad or unuseful later on so he has like this is just notebooks and notebooks of unused things but he kind of has like a mental index of what's in there mm-hmm. and then it can be like oh yeah i wrote that one thing that one time that didn't fit here but now it's going to fit in this other thing yeah and definitely. it's and that's the whole creative <laughs> process is just it's like the iceberg Mm-hmm. It always seems like, and then that, that it's, it's 99% there and you got there after, you know, whatever, five or, or six hours mm-hmm. and to get that other 1%, it's another five, six, seven more hours. If you want to even try to approach that. It's so it's kind of like, where, where is my time best spent? Yeah. Moving on to something else or trying to get this one project all the way up to where it, you know, it's yeah. crazy stuff. Um, so when is your album coming out? This one that you guys are working uh, on? I think it'll come out late summer of this year. Cool. And it's already recorded? Mm-hmm. And yeah. is it is it ready to roll? Or are you guys just working on the marketing? Or do you still have to do some post-production stuff on it? Uh, it's getting mastered right now. So oh, okay. it should be done here soon. And then, then we just have to figure out, you know, who's going to release it for us? Who's going <laughs> to help us? You know, all of those details that I'm admittedly very bad at it. yeah do you all have somebody in the band that's in charge of all of that oh yeah amber oh. is very much amber is the smart one she's okay. the one with the plan <laughs> like uh she's the one that knows what the fuck's going on and uh it's good to have somebody like that around you yeah like i'm that person for the music and listening to rehearsals and you know critiquing she's the one for like all sorts of marketing and having a general plan because uh, John and I are both shit at that. <laughs> Just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well, it's good that you have at least one person that's yeah, artistic yeah. that can still handle some of the structure that's necessary to be able to function in the real world. Yeah, we've definitely learned our uh, our roles as time goes on. <laughs> right. Uh, um, do you have any Do you have any good concert stories? Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about some of your best concert experiences. Like ones we've played or ones we've gone to? Both. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. Let me think about that one. Yeah, no yeah. worries. Do you have any other questions? Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Are, what about your? Uh, I wanted to ask you about a musician that you envy. Sounds like you're a multi instrumentalist. Yeah. Who and, do you envy for your for their skill set? Mm, um. Let's see. Oh, someone who's like just unimaginably good at <laughs> some instruments or um yeah, Yonatan Gat is someone that uh, I don't know who that is. Uh do you know who the monotonics are? No. Uh some monotonics are are were an Israeli punk band. Oh. And uh Israeli punk monotonics. Yeah. And uh they're just wild. But anyway, he's the guitar player from that and I never really got into the monotonics, but 
his solo shit is just mind-bendingly strange and um you're talking about like his guitar solos like when he's riffing or no like his solo career oh um, okay he i think they generally play in a trio uh with like bass and drums but he's a guitar player and uh i love the like it's incredibly technically proficient but not in any sort of clean or planned or um you know crisp kind of way it's like you just have so much um skill and raw like ability that it seems like he can just go off into space you know i i love that kind of instrumental playing where they're just so far down the um path of skill that they can really disregard a lot of the normal forms that we usually rely on like this is the rhythm part this is the mm-hmm. guitar solo like it's just all blended together in a just menagerie of crazy shit yeah there's not a lot of musicians out there that have that that songwriting capability as well as the connection with their instrument to where they can execute it in the moment exactly how mm-hmm. it's supposed to happen it, yeah. it's, it's frustrating i never got there with guitar but i would the the more I would play, the closer I, I would get. And then as I would set my guitar down for like another year or two and pick it back up again, I'd be back farther behind than where I was, where it's like you're thinking something, you know what you want to play, but your fingers can't execute it the way that you need to because you just don't have the the practice or, or the skill yeah. to be able to, to nail it down. There's just not a lot of musicians out there. I'm going to have to check them out. I'm all, I'm always, I love new music. So monotonics, Israeli punk band. Yeah, apparently I. I <laughs> That's not a famous one. The, you didn't you didn't find a cliched guitar player to reference there. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got some cliches if you want them, but uh, yeah, my friends. Apparently, it's just this wild thing. Like it's like drums, guitar, and bass, or drums, guitar, and singer, and the singer would just like climb into the rafters of the club and like break everything and. Hmm. Uh, my friends saw him. I guess that they crowd surfed the entire drum kit. Like, oh wow! They held up the entire drum kit and the drummer while he played. Wow! <laughs> I was just like, that doesn't even fucking seem possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's, disregard the injury for in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> throw a drummer around. That's pretty awesome. Who yeah. do you admire for their songwriting ability as a songwriter? Then, mm, I mean, so many people. Um, let's see. What have I been listening to? Man, I was listening to uh, Frank Ocean today. God oh, damn. yeah. I was listening to Channel Orange. That is such a good album. It's mind-bogglingly good. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I I think it's, it's beautiful in just such a poetic way because the songs themselves, even if they had no words, are just like masterfully composed and, you know, arranged. But the songs themselves, you know, are great because they tell such great stories and create, um, you know, a whole little world in your mind. It's just this whole world of like, that most of us aren't a part of. It's like, you know, rich coked out, uh, you know, LA kids and stuff. And like, just this whole, I don't know. There's a whole world of feeling that he makes on that album, Mm -hmm. um, that are just, I could just listen to it over and over. 
Yeah. It's so good. That's definitely on one of my rotations for sure. Like Frank, Frank Ocean's, yeah, Channel Orange. I forget. Actually, I, I actually think I listened to it like last year, most recently. Although his uh, the 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 song about the pyramid working at the pyramid. Yeah. That's on my that's on my normal mix, which is like you know three or four hundred songs that I am always constantly rotating through. Mm-hmm. Super solid, super solid. Who else? Uh, for songwriting. Yeah. I mean, hmm, let's see. I think. I don't know. Someone I was thinking about lately that I'm just loving is um, uh, why is my brain blanking out? Oh, Prince. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I mean, that seems like everyone's everyone's for that, but like uh, just trying to wrap my brain around everything that he created and like the entire, you know basically made his own genre of music Mm -hmm. that he mastered you know and nobody else has really mastered it and uh uh, i'm sure amber would co-sign that (laughs) because prince is one of her favorite artists of all time oh right on yeah that's uh those avant-garde musicians are amazing i was just last night i was listening to gary newman because i was i was uh had somebody on and i was chatting with him about it was like 80s we're talking about 80s music and i was like gary well his actually i think his first album came out in 79 and he had a ton of albums that he released but the only one song that everybody hears you know here in my car you know that (laughs) one i'm like but it was it was really weird stuff and he was doing like the electronica stuff like postal service stuff way before that and then just bizarre vocals over the top but for some reason it just registered with me as really genuine nice you know i think that that's kind of one of those things it's like prince's music was that was definitely very genuine. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He was coming up with things that he was actually thinking, and not trying to formulaically execute a song that's going to be enjoyable for other people to listen to. Yeah, it's almost like he just had just this well of music going on all the time, which that I envy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I can't necessarily. Well, I mean, I think I always have, you know, some sort of music producing in my brain it's always back there doing Mm -hmm. its thing but it's like it takes a while for um ideas to come to fruition enough that i can you know harvest them yeah i have to wait it out usually yeah slower much slower process for mortal human beings than it was was for prince (laughs) yeah yeah for Um, sure what's what were what are your uh concert experiences that you've been to like what what are some of those memorable concerts that you've Let's see. That you're like, man, I I need to get my guitar right now and go play with some people because that was so motivating. Yeah. Hmm. The ones that come to mind aren't necessarily guitar driven ones. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some really good guitar players, but uh, I think more often it's musicians that did something that just changed my idea of what you can do in performances. Yeah. And Such I think, as. Uh, um, did you see the flaming lips while they were in town? Oh, yes. You did? You were at that concert? <laughs> yes. That was really amazing. Yeah. Because it was such a tiny venue, but he still brings out like the hamster ball. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is for a stadium. 
And then when they did Yoshimi and they had that giant robot that they inflated, mm-hmm. but it was too small for the, for the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like crumpled up. I'm like, man, these guys don't hold back at all. Yeah. I was super pumped about that because I was kind of concerned. Like, this is kind of a small place. And they're like, no, nah, we just do it. We do our show for yeah 20,000 people or a thousand. It doesn't matter. They're definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. My friend actually opened for them while they were here. He oh. was on tour with him for a while. Okay. Um, Which who was your friend? Uh his project's called Blank. He was the like noise drummer that opened for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. My good buddy Will. Um but yeah. God, the flaming lips. That's like a whole other conversation. In <laughs> yeah. Itself. There's I like uh you know, there's so much of their music that I like, and I like that you can hear the progression of their music over so many decades you know like they've just done so much shit Mm -hmm. and you can hear like their first weird 80s shit and you know it's just like kind of like barely competent Mm -hmm. punk music but it just has that element of something weird that's cool and it just gradually evolves through the 90s and and then you get to the 2000s and yashimi and shit and it's just there's so many levels to what they're doing and so many progressions that they've just continued to work into it's so cool yeah and plus their their lead vocalist has like one of those vocals that you don't think that anybody would ever be able to sing or be a front man for a band right (laughs) but it works yeah yeah and there's no other way it would work it seems like either yeah and i think uh steven drozd is one of my favorite composers like that dude just does wild ass shit i don't know i'm not familiar with him so he's the He's basically the one that writes all the music for the Flaming Lips. Oh, okay. I didn't know so that. So he plays, I think at the show he was playing uh, guitar and oh, okay. keyboards and stuff. Right on. Um, I think he was wearing like a Harvey Milk shirt or something. Right on. But he's their drummer that joined in the 90s. Okay. And then just gradually sort of, I think it was around like Soft Bullet and Zyreka time, just sort of took over writing all the music. Oh, well, that's and, where the stuff bulletin is where it's yeah, definitely that's where a different it, thing. That's where it changes into like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> so he's the he's the musical composer guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should probably learn the uh, names of the members of the bands that I love, <laughs> but I'm terrible about that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a very interesting musician. Um, yeah, I remember I saw the Flaming Lips once in outside of Portland in like Troutdale, I think it's called. It's in, yeah. the, in the gorge there. Troutdale. And... Um, and I remember we'd, uh, I was, I was super blazed cause we went up into the, like the, <laughs> the blackberry bushes and got high. And then, uh, it was like halfway through the show and they were playing vein of stars, like, uh, just that super pretty slow jam. Yeah. And, uh, and it went like super long and it was just like, wow, that was really nice. And then we got higher while that was happening <laughs> and the song ended and. Wayne Coyne was like, wow, thank you for the uh, waves of pot smoke that rolled on stage <laughs> while that song was going. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm trying to remember the fucking guy's name. We uh, went to play CMJ Music Festival in New York. Okay. And Sunblood Stories? Is- yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we went to play that festival which was a super fun experience. Um, this is the first time I'd ever been to New York. Um, but the point of that story is that I'm trying to remember the guy's name who played after us, and it's fucking escaping me. Uh, 
but he plays with a. <laughs> Maybe, I'll tell you the story. Maybe his name will come to me. Okay. Do um, it. So he is just singing to backup tracks. Okay. And like most of the time, that's not all that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, AKA karaoke. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But some people can do it because there's just something going on with how they do stuff and just their personality and presence that makes it just wildly interesting to watch. So he played this weird, you know, big bar with all these giant, you know, glowing lights and, and we were playing and, you know, we're like a loud psychedelic band and people are just chilling and maybe listening, maybe not. And it's fine. Yeah. And then this guy, um, gets to the stage and, he uh (laughs) so this room is packed and it's just him and he has a cape and a mask um like a robin mask okay and um (laughs) and so he's sound checking and just playing he just has like an ipod and he's just playing the song Mm -hmm. and everyone's like entranced because it's beautiful and then um he's like yeah yeah Okay, and then he stops the music, and everyone claps. He's like, no, no clapping. No, I I do not want you to, please don't clap. No. <laughs> and we're all like, okay. And it's just creates this like weird dynamic with the audience to where it's super awkward, but you can't not be entranced by it. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's We well, he just dominated the whole crowd. Like, oh, we that. did, he's and just, we were all like, silent, like, he's like i'm in charge here you guys aren't gonna clap unless i say it's okay yeah and like (laughs) at some point he he was like i bought the wrong kind of pantyhose which i cut up and put on the eye holes you know so he could see through them but he bought the wrong kind so he couldn't really see (laughs) and like it's just the strangest thing and then he got done and it just boggled my mind and i was just sitting outside like what why did I love that so much? You know? Am I working too hard at this music? <laughs> <laughs> right? Can I just show up with an iPod? But I can't. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. I think there's a certain type of person that's just inherently interesting and then therefore it doesn't quite matter what they're going to do. Yeah. And man, he was it. It was crazy. <laughs> right. But, uh, let's see. Nothing else comes to mind at the moment. But. How do you like the the music scene here in the Treasure Valley? Oh, I love it. It just keeps getting better. Like, I think Treefort has really caused it to grow in, like, a pretty big way. Because I remember when I was starting, like, it was it was cool. And there was still, you know, there was still a decent amount of bands, but it was, like, it was still sort of the running joke that everybody kind of sounded like built a spill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one one year the you know the Boise Weekly has like you know they give out awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the the staff picked for the best band in Boise was any band that doesn't sound like built a spill. <laughs> 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 and like and I I think that was still fairly true when uh, I started and uh I never sounded like Built to Spill, but since then and since Treefort, like it's Treefort has just allowed pretty much 
anybody who can and wants to do music to like have something to shoot for considerably greater than what there used to be because mm-hmm. there used to be sort of like the Boise black hole effect like it's not a big enough place to really make it any you know that to do anything that anyone's going to pay attention to and so like you can become big in Boise and then just not do anything else um, and I don't think that's true anymore because now Tree Ford is an avenue for you to get to meet all sorts of new people and get your shit out there. And it also, I think it also motivates people and artists to, you know, step up and have some shit to, to play, you know, have something to perform that is, you know, either going to get noticed and going to be worth someone's time or they're, you know, they're going to go to another show and then you're not going to get invited back. Like yeah. it, it, it invited it like, I think it motivates people. And I really feel like in the last couple of years, there's just there's sort of been a continuing more crop of just cool ass bands. And then bands coming through in the meantime too, it feels like have really amped up mm-hmm, for sure. It's, it's just been at the shows that you can catch are incredible. Like we were talking about flaming lips, like mm-hmm. to be, and I think a lot of them are just, popping in on their way to the coast or whatever between Denver, Salt Lake, and then yeah. coming up this way. But it's still so many awesome musicians yeah. that, that you can catch. And then the, the local the local music is definitely, I mean, I, I guess, because um, I, I was a transplant here about uh, 10 years ago. And so I didn't uh, necessarily hear, and, and I was never exposed to Built to Spill because I grew up in a little town in South Dakota. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, in the 90s, like all you could get was whatever, was on the radio and whatever was on the radio was in a small town like that was the only thing that they, that was popular enough to be and ubiquitous right. across the entire country, <laughs> you know, which, uh, so it was kind of pleasant when I came here and I got to listen to, to their music because amazing stuff mm-hmm. and completely missed out on it too. So right. it's like all new to me, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since, since, uh, I've gone to tree for the last, I want to say four years and it's, it, it has been fun to see more of those unique, odd musical acts start to pop up mm-hmm. that you can see, uh, you know, and, and just walking around. And, and then, like you said, it is kind of motivating, I would imagine, for a musician to have that many people down there. And then for me, if I'm if I'm watching a band for 10 or 15 minutes and it's like, oh, this is not getting, this isn't doing anything for me, I just have to go next door mm-hmm. <laughs> and catch another act. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Tree Ford and and uh, Duck Club have really they. I think they've pretty much given bands like a path. Like, if you're good and you keep working at it, you can actually get farther than you would have before they were around. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's legit. It's all all the networking anymore with and building your audience and yeah. plenty of audience and no well, and they'll give you cool opening shows for cool bands that are coming through and then you meet those bands and become friends and play in their town yeah you know, it's a cool system that i'm not sure was i think boise was you know not necessarily excluded but it wasn't as much of a place for bands to stop before that i think they've really made it a regular thing yeah yeah i agree with that completely um so i was gonna I was going to ask you a question about your band. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to ask about 
odd instruments. What do you think would fit best in Sunblood stories, bagpipes or trombone, if you had to pick up a new a new member? I'll be real, that's pretty easy. Uh, definitely trombone, because I fucking hate the bagpipes. Really? <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to pick bagpipes, man. <laughs> I mean, you I, think I, it would, because like, it's droney and shit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. God. I hate the bagpipes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Struck a sour chord with the bagpipe reference of all uh, musical instruments. What, right. It's just you just don't like the the quality of the tone or what? Oh, you know. I mean, now that I'm saying it, I don't hate the bagpipes, but it's just like for some reason I've never thought that was a sound that I wanted to hear. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't quite qualify as music to you i mean no it's as definitely much as, music as much but, as noise <laughs> well i mean i don't know where the line is between music and noise uh but yeah and what's, I mean, a, what's a less common instrument you'd be interested in learning how to play um uh, let's see i don't know there's like all manner of stringed instruments i want to play like bazooki and you know all this stuff um uh, I don't really know, actually. I really just fucking love guitar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I don't generally feel, um, I don't feel a lot of desire to play other instruments too often. Like, I like hmm. playing piano and I like playing bass. Drums are fun, but I'm a terrible drummer. Drums uh, are fun, but they are really hard. Yeah. They're very think, difficult to get all those limbs coordinated at the same time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, drums i think at least in my experience it seems like the people who are good at drums uh learned them and came to understand the instrument at a very young age or at least an adolescent age yeah because i think there's just like some wiring in the brain that it's and you know not necessarily like controlling limbs independently because different instruments do that but there's something about the feel of the drums and like the way that you know, a good drummer can interact with the beat that I feel like is pretty difficult to learn later in life, you know? Like fluency with rhythm. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, regretting uh, your lack of studying as, as your entire life and you're like at 50, like, I want to learn how to speak Italian. Yeah. It's like, it you're going to sound a lot weird. <laughs> you're going to sound weird if you're learning how to speak Italian at 50. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you could, you know, like a native, native speaker, like, a native learned drummer, like those are great to have. Yeah, the, the 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 yeah the rhythm. It is it is kind of a different different thing. Um, I had to play bass um, for a while when I was in college because like everybody had a guitar player already, <laughs> yes. and I had a bass. I learned bass <laughs> like, for the same reason. <laughs> it's like okay, well, I, and, but it was it was really difficult to have to repeat um, the same thing over and over again and and uh, maintain that that groove constantly yeah. for the entire time. Yeah. Um, Which, and then, and then having to learn how to play with the, the drummer and mm -hmm. realizing that you're just kind of like in this for the, for the long haul. Yeah. And if you do anything interesting, it's just going to mess everything up. Yeah. Cause it turns out it's not interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I learned a lot about music from playing bass. Like I started playing guitar and that was cool. Um, but then I played bass in different, contexts and that's really i think 
learned some extremely valuable lessons about music from playing bass as far as the composition end yeah that, from the yeah. composition and from the restraint end and like you know like you're saying like understanding that you have to constantly maintain the groove and the chord structure and that any interest you have in deviating is not really important like <laughs> it will actually make you less cool um Unless you just happen to do it in just the right spot. But like the point. The <laughs> Probability is very high. If you take too many bass solos, you're going to come off as a doofus. Yeah. Unless you're Victor Wooten, you just can't quite pull that off. Yeah. And even, you know, even when he's, you know, when he's playing, um, you know, a bass line to an actual song, he's not fucking around too much. No, he's just playing a good bass line. If he's playing solo, and then that, he can do it. That taught me a lot about just how music works in general and you know, what are the important things in the structure of the music? You know, yeah. it's not about what cool notes you want to hit. Like it's about what things are you going to do that's going to make the music, you know, I guess come alive or whatever, you know, whatever goal you're going towards, uh, the, you know, the momentary desires you have to play something that sounds cool or something that might get you laid later. Like <laughs> all of that is actually you know, extremely secondary to just making sure that the music is very solid and, um, you know, together. Lead instruments are lead instruments for a reason, I feel like. And yeah. then the other ones, if, if you're not playing a lead instrument, it's so important to be able to, to it's, it's bigger to take stuff away rather than add to it in most cases. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what bass taught me about music in general. And I can apply it or I learned to apply it to lead instruments too. Like, you know, I was a guitar player, so I was always getting to take guitar solos and it'd just be like, ah, I know these notes and mm. I'm just going to dick around and play them. Um, but I think once I learned bass and once I learned, you know, the discipline of doing that, it made me realize that like the um, intentional nature of playing a rhythm instrument translates really well to playing a lead instrument as well because i mean i love guitar but i truly dislike most guitar players which sounds <laughs> douchey as hell but like there's guitar guitar players are the most commonly uh overrated uh players i mean i think band assets yeah mm -hmm. it, yeah you know they're <laughs> we're always too loud and we're always you know playing more shit than needs to be played and like we were talking earlier about the head when i hit record on this there's a loud beep but uh -huh. but it's one of those things that like you, you don't notice it if you've played guitar for any amount of years because you've already damaged your ears from your own amp <laughs> amplifier that, that could from, be true from being twice as loud as anybody else in the entire group yeah yeah especially early on yeah yeah, I definitely made that mistake for a long time. You do your sound check and your volumes at whatever and everything sounds fine. And then as soon as you start playing the show, it slowly starts to creep up the dial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Turn it back down. Yeah. I can't I mean, hear I'm, myself. I'm still pretty loud, but I, at least it's in the context where it makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I was younger, I'd be like, fuck yeah, it sounds good. Because <laughs> it does. Playing incredibly loud guitar is 
a unique experience. And, you know, a loud electric guitar is a very different instrument than a quiet electric guitar. It, it allows for a lot uh, more indiscretion and, and uh, errors in your playing as well. The more distortion that you add to it, it's it's like, yeah. oh, wow. But you it, played it clean. When I was younger, I'd play it clean. I'd be like, oh, man, I guess I didn't really know how to play this yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah, they're different instruments. You know, I one of the most magical feelings of playing guitar is playing a guitar that is you know, it's probably loud. It doesn't necessarily have to be loud, but a guitar that is so distorted and gain heavy that it essentially makes sound whenever you put your fingers on it. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing feeling. You know? Yeah. I love, I love to play a guitar that loud that it's not even really a matter of plucking or strumming. Yeah. It's just the strings sort of feel alive with the amplification vibration and you can just sort of uh, grab a hold of it and make it do all sorts of cool things that aren't even necessarily notes. You can just make a whole world of sounds out of these sort of alive strings. That's like one of my favorite things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys mess around with that a lot in, in the moment or is that something that you structure usually? Oh, no. The the fuzz jams. The fuzz <laughs> jams are always pretty much made up because <laughs> you can't, I mean, you. I guess you can if you plan it right. You can sort of know what that's going to do but i think that's what's interesting about loud fuzzy guitars is that they're kind of wild instruments and if you're trying to recreate the same thing every time at least for me it doesn't really work that way do you play with a pedal board and, and mm -hmm. right on what do you have for for your setup you know i started out with no pedals <laughs> you know when i was playing by myself and you can sort of almost trace the the shape of the band in what pedals we use. Got it. Because when I started, the only pedal I had was uh, like a wah pedal. Mm -hmm. um, and there was like the first instance where we were kind of almost like a blues rock band, which no one really knows that part of it, Yeah, which is probably good. Um, <laughs> you weren't too solid on that end. Yeah. I mean, we weren't. Other people have told me it wasn't shitty. I still feel like it was shitty. Um, so no one hears that songs, but that's a great way to qualify a statement. Oh, yeah. hey man, your band was not shitty at all. <laughs> right? Yeah, like it, I don't know. I guess people liked it. I I was never all that comfortable with it, even if even when I was doing it, and I was very happy when we moved on. And the next iteration after that was when we discovered echo pedals. Oh, okay. That was around the time that Amber started playing slide guitar and. Uh, and then we just got echo pedals and oh, that's cool. uh right around that time is when we recorded that live album in portland it's uh live at the banana live from the banana stand oh okay and uh yeah that that was a whole different thing that was the first time we didn't have a bass player and we were a trio um with a different drummer than we have now uh and that was basically you know we got these echo pedals because you know, suddenly there wasn't a bass and there wasn't more instruments and there was all this space. I'm like, how do we fill this space? Echo pedals. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, you know, like we learned how to stretch our sound in, you know, all the different ways you can with different amounts of echo and stuff like that and learned how to noise jam. Basically yeah. expanded our sonic palette quite a bit from what it had been before. Hmm. And 
I guess I, I would say that's probably when we became what you would call a psychedelic band. That's, know. that's tough to do to, if you have a bass and then you, you, you lose that. I mean, say what you will about like the white stripes, but it's pretty impressive the the sound that they're able to pull off and you don't necessarily notice at first that there's no bass in there yeah. and that it's missing. You I have mean, to do a lot of work. I fucking love the white stripes, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it, um, and, and now we don't play with a bass player. Um, it's just three of us. There's, um, and so that was the first time I sort of had to learn how to be the bass notes as well as being the guitar player. Okay. Which is challenging sometimes, but how do you, how did you how do you do that? You do a lot more riffs. At... Um, you actually do less riffs. Oh, okay. <laughs> at least in my experience, um, you always make sure that you hold down the bottom end. Yeah, you know, you always make sure that whatever is happening, either you are, either you have the bass note covered. Mm-hmm. To make the song function harmonically, or it's a part with no bass note. You know, those are the options. Yeah, and uh, you just sort of learn to do that. Um, let's see. So after that, um, so after we discovered echo pedals and we were a trio for a while, that was the part where, you know, we played some songs, but you could arguably say like half our set wasn't even songs; like mm-hmm. it was just weird noise jams. Oh, nice. So that was the point where uh, I think our parents stopped liking our music. <laughs> and they were like, well. There goes half our audience. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> but we got a lot of new people because they were oh, like, that's, that's fucking weird. I'd never heard that. Um, so we did that for a while. And then um, we moved on again and uh, got another bass player. And sort of be- that was when we did uh, Twilight Midnight Morning. Mm-hmm. so we had like a f- we had a five piece because uh, we had a viola for a little while so, oh cool which kind of worked but it, yeah. we're also kind of too loud of a band to have a viola that makes <laughs> so sense I don't think it ever too, worked too well but um, yeah so that was basically when we started writing more songs that could function as band songs essentially and less of just like singing some stuff over some noise got it and i suppose if you if you do the trio thing you do have to plan that out a lot more to make sure that you're not running into those empty spots on accident yeah while you're free flowing (laughs) yeah um be pretty easy to accidentally start to slide too high up the register and then it sounds like you're listening to something that's not quite all the way complete yeah yeah, if you listen back to that live album, there's definitely spots where it's like kind of fucked up and maybe not that musical for a rock album, but probably pretty cool for a noise band album. <laughs> <laughs> you know, depending on what you're expecting. Um, so we did that, and then, uh, then uh, uh, our bass player uh, had to leave and go to school because he's going to be a well, he's already a biologist, so he's going to do some cool shit with that. Um, and we, you know, played around with some people to see if we could replace him. And eventually it just became clear that we didn't really want to, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I'm very picky about bass players. Yeah. Um, and personality so important. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I, there just wasn't anyone around that I wanted to play with as a bass player. Um, and so I got an octave drop pedal 
Oh, okay. Which I use now. Did you have to change your amp setup for that? Um, well, I was already playing through like splitting through a guitar amp and a bass amp. Oh, okay. To sort of get that low end. So I sort of have a weird pedal board setup where the signal splits about halfway through and then part of it goes through an octave drop into a bass amp and the other part goes to the guitar amp. Oh, okay. So in that way, I am my own bass player. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, but yeah. So that's your setup? Yeah. Nice. So that's where we're at now is um, we do have a little bass synth that we use for some things but for the most part i'm the bass and the guitar and your drum player plays the synth you said yeah well he plays keys oh okay yeah cool usually more like he's either playing drums or keys most of the time oh okay so it's fun because then we you know we've got the band song with the keys and stuff and then we've got spacey quieter parts where all of a sudden there's keys and organ and all this cool shit that we can add to it yeah Nice. Do you guys know when you're going to be, uh, are you allowed to announce when you're going to be playing yet? Or is that still? <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to announce. Okay. Uh, still a little bit too early in the season for that. That's what everybody's been saying so far. Yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of get in trouble if you say shit too early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, cause we're, we're at an hour. Um, but keep me posted on that and then I can, I can chuck it onto the, the description. Sure. So scroll down and you will see the, the dates or just tree fort. I yeah. think it's like treefortmusicfest.com or something like that. Just Google yeah, Treefort so. Boise and yeah. the lineups there. The app is... I think there's only one. Be pretty easy to find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the app is super handy too. I've used that the last few years and it makes navigating way easy. Yeah. Plus, it, like if you're if you're worried about time, you can, I think they have like a couple songs of each each group. Like if you're like, oh, I don't know what I want to listen to like during this chunk of time. Mm -hmm. It's pretty handy. But Word. Yeah. Well, well thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Ben. And uh, I'm looking forward to see you guys play. On Tree Fort. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing. <laughs> Later. Cool.